Penny, you need to unmute, please, star one. Okay, sorry. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a big book study, Vision for You, big book study. My name is Penny C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 3rd, and we are reading from the big book on page uh, 101, paragraph 2, which begins with... um, well, it's got scheme in it. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure. Oh, it's in our belief, any scheme is the paragraph we're reading. And let me just tell you who the readers are today. The 12 Steps, Teresa A. The 12 Traditions will be, be read by Tenson P. The readers of the, of the text will be Katie G. and Judy K. Newcomer greeter will be Jason K., And the host for the second hour is Lisa H. The OA pre, oh, the reference numbers for yesterday are the 7 a.m. Eastern time was 14,359, 14359. For the 10 a.m. meeting, it was 14,361, that's 14361. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is, always, as OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask, Teresa A. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Teresa. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed 
and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you so much, Teresa A. And now, Tenson P., um, will you read the 12 traditions for us? Good morning, everyone. Um, Tenson P., checking in from New York City. And here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Book Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Well, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass, wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenson P. And now I'm going to tell how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us 
to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. So we're inviting everybody who wants to share. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you would press star one to unmute yourself. And once you're done, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute yourself again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 101, second paragraph, which begins with, in our belief, any scheme. And so we're going to ask Katie G. to start us off reading that paragraph and sharing. Good morning, Katie G. Hello, Penny C. This is Katie G. from Boston. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. In our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism, which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation, is doomed to failure. If the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually ends up, winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. We have tried these methods. These attempts to the impossible have always failed. I think it's super interesting that it says any scheme of combating alcoholism. It doesn't say food, right? It doesn't say alcohol. It says alcoholism. I think it's important as Overeaters Anonymous, we acknowledge the disease is not in the parking lot doing push-ups. The disease is inside me. I have a twofold allergy and I have a twofold illness, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. It's not outside of me, it's inside of me. So any scheme that tries to shield me from temptation is gonna fail because what's my temptation? Life, breathing, presence, waking up in the morning, that's my temptation. And so you can shield me all you want from food. It may, it may work for a little while, but then I'm going to get so mad at you because I'm selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and afraid that eating is going to be a step up. So there's no such thing. And I think it's important to recognize that abstinence only does not put me in a place of neutrality. Being abstinent, weighing and measuring my food, being black and white with my foods, ingredients, and behaviors that I've tried to control is vital. Okay? Absolutely vital. But until I get through the steps and have a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, in the beginning, I felt good. Yeah, because I stopped wasting money. I remembered where I was the night before. I felt good for a couple months, right? But that's not neutrality with the food. That's feeling good for a while. And then what happened? obsession of the mind and life got really really loud and so for me today it's important to recognize i went stir crazy when i was abstinent only and saying i have a god I, it wasn't enough for me i cannot be cocky nor can i be afraid that is what neutrality means and i'm recovered today for these 24 hours based on my fit spiritual condition if i'm overeating on my food that's not a step 10 issue that's a step one issue that's step one section a 
Okay, like I can't be cocky and say, oh, you know, I can have a little bit more of that. For me, I have to call a sponsor daily. I have to review the food. I, I get to talk about my step work and growing and changing, right? I need to continue to grow and change. I don't have to be afraid. Me too. I got food all over my house that, that does not belong to me, right? But I'm not... Um, if I'm not feeling spiritually fit, I'm not, I'm not pushing it on my family. If they want to eat it, they know where it is, right? I'm in a place of neutrality. I don't have anything to prove. I'm not baking dozens of cookies all day long with my daughter. That's, I don't have anything to prove. For me, that would be cocky. I don't need to do that today. Today, I need to practice entire abstinence and fit spiritual condition so that life doesn't tempt me, that eating is not a step up and I can stay connected with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Okay, so I'm going to do my very best to to hear and write down names of people who would like to share. So I'm inviting anyone who would like to share on this paragraph, please tell me, me your name now. Janet do, 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 uh, do Al. Let's stop. Nancy Larry K. Nancy P. Okay, I didn't catch one name. Sorry. Let's do it again, okay? Janet Joe A. Joe A. Larry K. Kim Jennifer May. W. Okay, these are names that stood out for me. I have a Matthew. I have Larry K. And Jennifer. And I'll, you just give me your initials when you of your last name when you when you speak, okay? Who else besides Melinda Matt? Do Nancy P. Judy K. Okay, I've got it. Everybody now, all right? Joe A. Sorry, we'll we'll catch for the next round. So here's who I have: Matthew, Larry, Jennifer, Do L. Judy K and Nancy P. Matthew, get us started, please. Matthew, I did hear a Matthew, didn't I? Excuse me, which paragraph are we talking about? I just joined, please, Penny. Oh yeah, hold on just a minute, um, Raquel. Is there a Matthew? Okay, I'm going to give the um, paragraph again. It's page 101, paragraph 2, that starts with, in our belief, any scheme. Thank so you so I, much. I guess we're going to ask you to start us off, Larry. Good morning, Chicago. Good morning, Penny. Thanks so much for your service. Hurting, hurting all of us cats here. Nobody, nobody, nobody knows what day it is, right? That's right. <laughs> it's, I'm losing track. Okay, so yeah, I'll just I'll just chime in. You know, Bill used his words very carefully. We know that, um, and um, I want to I want to focus in on one of the words that he he used uh, a scheme. You know, um, that has a negative connotation. I mean, the dictionary definition perhaps not, but it's certainly and 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 you know if we think of you know if you if you think of somebody who is um, you know, who if if you were to say to someone is scheming, you know that person is scheming. Uh, it, it's got a pretty much a negative connotation, and what we're so in, in that context, a scheme, any scheme to combat uh, our temptation to 
compulsively overeat, you know, by shielding the the alcoholic eater from temptation will inevitably fail. That that's definitely been my experience. When I was scheming to do those things, I remember, for example, one of my schemes, I had lots of different schemes, perhaps you did as well. One of my schemes was um was a pretty simple one. It was just to not keep the food in my home. Now that's a that's a good idea. I think I think you know to not keep your heroin foods in your house probably a pretty good idea, but that was my scheme. See, and and I thought that that would um, release me from the temptation. And you know what? Sometimes it did, but guess what? It inevitably failed because I had not followed the practical program of spiritual action to get the result that's that's promised. The result is a complete revolution, internal revolution, transformation, change that will move us from a self-centered consciousness to a God-centered consciousness. And when that happens, there's no more scheming. I, I don't have any scheme, <laughs> right? Uh, and nor, nor did I need a scheme because temporary relief is but an illusion. Um, you know, you, we don't have to look around to know that if we're fighting to stay out of the food, we have not, it, it, at the very least I could say, I had not had an effective, sustainable transformation, spiritual in nature, to give me access to power. And, and to those who have that now, um, and there's many on the line, they know that. No one had to tell them about that. No one had to convince Penny that she had a transformation or give her a coin or, uh, you know, or a trophy or, or anything along those lines. She knew it herself because she had completed the process. And, and um, so, anyways, with that, Penny, that was my contribution. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much, Larry. Okay, and now we have Jennifer. And I need your initial, if I could, please. Hi there, this is Jennifer W., a compulsive eater in recovery from Sweden. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, thank you. Go ahead. Oh, great. Thanks. It's really great to be on the line, and I haven't shared in a while, but I still follow, and I'm really grateful to hear the voices. And this part from the book reminds me a lot about the black and white thinking that you tend to be when you're in the disease. And for me, it was a lot about con controlling I would control everything to be able to eat in a certain way by diets or exercising or whatever I was doing. And it always failed. And like when I look at, like, for instance, the weight, um, I would have a diet and I would lose weight, but then I would gain the same and more. And, um, uh, it, with recovery, it's a little bit like seeing that controlling, first of all, is um, the disease talking and trying to um, do it in a way which is the ego many times. But so in recovery, it's a little bit of a gray scale, um, seeing that I can't do things perfectly because no one, no one is a saint. So even though I don't do it perfectly, I can still do it in a more balanced way. And I guess balance is the hardest thing for a person with an addiction. But I'm really grateful that I can become more balanced uh, with this program. And, and like I heard um, uh, you share about the spirituality. So um, I'm really grateful that I found a vision for you and that I 
can continue with this because um, it's a way of, of life. So continue with this all my life. So, so thanks. Thank you, Jennifer. We're grateful that you're here all the way from Sweden. Next is Duel. Good morning, Du. Good morning, Penny Steve. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, grateful to be here. Uh, in combating alcoholism, which proposes to shield a man from a uh, sick man from temptation, is doomed to failure. And you know, to shield is to protect someone from risk or danger or, um, you know, prevent them from having an unpleasant experience. And here is saying that, you know, uh, the recovered people had noticed that these attempts would fail, right? Because there's nothing wrong with temptation. Um, it's what we do with the temptation that makes it right or wrong. So, you know, when I go to meetings um, in OA, I see people saying, well, you can't mention uh, your binge foods in the meeting. You can't mention those foods because, oh, my God, uh, you're going to cause somebody to go out there and compulsively eat. And, you know, and um, we need to safeguard them. We need to protect them. And, and what happens is the man that has an alcoholic mind, the man that has not taken step one, the man that does not understand that he has a physical allergy and a mental obsession, there's no shielding for that person because they're still in the disease of compulsive eating. So it doesn't matter if I mention it in the meeting or not mention it in the meeting. As soon as they get out, they're exposed to radio, television, billboard signs, uh, fast food restaurants. They're probably even coming to the meeting drunk on food. So what am I shielding them from? Nothing. If they're in the disease of compulsive eating, there's no shielding, you know, because they're still in the disease. The only protection that we have is by doing the steps and getting connected to the higher power because God is nowhere to be found initially for these people, you know, because they're still compulsively eating. They're still in the disease, in the throes of the disease. So the experience for these 100 men and women was that they're saying, you know, unless, unless you take step one thoroughly and the way it's supposed to be and designed to be, you can't get out of the disease of compulsive. Unless you connect to that higher power and access that higher power, you can't do this. Do? Do well, okay. we can't sorry. hear you. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Welcome back. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I think I got muted. Um. Anyway, so I was saying that uh, basically you can't you can't protect a man from the temptation. And what these 100 men and uh, women uh, learn is that if you try to shield them, what's going to happen is going to be a bigger explosion for them with the compulsive eating. You know, um, so one of the best things to address this and and they're saying this is by taking step one and moving to that power greater than yourself 
so that you can have the spiritual experience, you can have the spiritual awakening, but you do have to do the work. It, it doesn't come through osmosis. It comes to work. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. That was Duel. And now, Judy Kay, it's your turn. Thank you, Penny, and thank you, everybody, for the shares. May I be heard? You're, you're here, yep. Okay, thank you. If, an al- if the alcoholic tries to shield himself, he may succeed for a time, but he usually winds up with a bigger explosion than ever. How true this has been for me and for other people in my life as well. The prior um, paragraph to this um, talked about running away to Greenland, um, to the Greenland ice cap. Uh, running away to Greenland, as they suggested in the last paragraph, is something I've done many times, going off to an eating disorder hospital or health spa to cleanse. And these places help me to get clean of my alcoholic foods okay, but rather than actually proceeding with working the steps to bring me um, to full recovery, I was immersed back into the life I could blame for my compulsive overeating and into the food scene. Everywhere we go, food is there. Prohibition never worked for alcohol, and extreme diets can't work for us. And we wind up with a bigger explosion than ever since we can't keep running back to the cocoon of the hospital or spa environment. And even if we do, without the program and doing, working the 12 steps, recovery is impossible for most of us. Even someone as successful as uh, Rockefeller in the 1930s or Oprah Winfrey these days, for example, who has all the resources at her fingertips to have people shop and cook for her, um, they'd be doomed to fail without a spiritual action plan. We can't shield ourselves or others from substances, and we can't, <clears throat> and we can't depend on running away. Um, Our shield is our higher power as long as we stay connected to him. It was never the food or alcohol anyway. The food was my escape. Thank God I found this program where the stress and focus is on my relationship with my higher power and what he would have me be and do. And that is to work these 12 steps of recovery, working with others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Judy Kay. And now, Nancy P. And then I will be taking more names. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, Hi, good morning. Hi, baby. Sorry. All right. Sorry. It's Nancy P. Um, So, yeah, this this, um, paragraph is, as usual, amazing. So a few paragraphs to go, assuming we're spiritually fit. So with that in mind... um, there's no, nothing I can do to combat my compulsive overeating um, other than, uh, you know, to be spiritually fit because, you know, I've, I'm recovered. So, you know, I came into this, you know, into vision beaten into a state of reasonableness. But, and I felt great. But I had felt, I had felt great before, you know, in, in my 47 years prior to coming into vision. So I knew that I had to do something different. Um, because I've been, I've eaten when I've been tempted, and I've eaten when I've not been tempted. I mean, either something would happen, 
or nothing would happen and I would eat because I'm a real compulsive overeater. There's no avoiding it. doesn't matter, self-knowledge, any, there's no shortcuts. And, you know, I did all this work and I had a spiritual awakening. And, and by the way, my spiritual awakening, even when I got to step 12, was still very new. It was brand new. It was like a tender baby thing that had to be, you know, bolstered and worked on consistently. And the way that I did that is through working all of the other steps all the time. Um, you know, and today I enjoy freedom. I mean, I've eaten because I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. And I've eaten because, you know, I had a family catastrophe um, concerning my daughter. And, um, you know, nothing, um, you know, until I, until I admitted that I was, of myself, I was nothing, um, that I had no chance, that I was doomed, um, then, then I continued to eat. Um, but once I admitted that, once I surrendered, surrender, 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 um, food became um, nothing significant in my life. And, um, you know, I today, I do everything. I bake, I eat out, I go to parties, um, you know, and, and I cook food for my family, you know, dinners that I, I can't have, um, that I don't eat. And um, I have all kinds of, you know, whatever they want in the house. I just, it, I might as well be doing my laundry or emptying my dishwasher. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me anymore. And I, I embrace that. I embrace the 12 steps. And, and to me, the 12th, the 12th step is the result of working all the previous steps. And, um, and the previous steps prepared me for step 12. So it's very symbiotic. I, step 12 allows me to go back continually and work all the steps, and, and all those steps allow me to continue to work step 12, working with others, uh, sponsoring other people is my most sacred um, responsibility. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And so... Um, Especially for people who haven't shared in the last few days or maybe someone who's never had the courage to share before, I'm going to open up the, the lines now for another set of people. Who else would like to share? Kim A. Okay, we're going to start again. I'm so so glad so many people are... are uh, anxious to share, but it's it's. We'll try one more time. I, all I had out of that group was Nancy. I mean Janet B. So who else? I did do. I have a Kim A. a. Melissa C. Diane B. Kim G. R. Irene B. Please forgive me. I that's really. Um, I have Janet B, Melissa C, Kim G, and who else again? Irene, 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 Irene B, Diane B, Diane A, and someone A. That's enough for now, okay? Uh, who was Kim A? Barbara E. Someone A. Barbara Kim. E. Austin R. Okay, whose last initial was A, please? Barbara E, Penny. Barbara E. Yeah, I've heard Barbara E. Before that, I heard it. So, okay, I'll put Barbara down. Okay, here's the list now. We have Joe G. A. 
Janet B, Melissa C, MG, Irene G, uh, I mean B rather. I think it's Diane B and Barbara E. Janet. Hi, you... this is Jan. You, can you hear me? Ken, go ahead. Hi, um, this is Janet B, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in. But we heard Janet, and then we lost her. Janet B, we Kim A. I'm sorry, I was muted before you asked for A. This is Kim A. Okay, I'll put your name down. Sorry about that. Thank you. Hi, this is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. So. This paragraph was me. I tried to shield myself, obviously not having food around, the usual stuff, and it doesn't work. But just like someone else referred to, a couple of paragraphs back, it says, assuming we're spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things we're not supposed to do. Now, obviously, the way isn't by hiding things from myself or making my husband lock things up, but it's by changing. And For me, if I had to use one word to describe this program, it's a miracle. Because I came in, I was powerless. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't keep the food. I never could even get two weeks together. Um, When people said, put down the food, I couldn't just put down the food. Um, And what I found was that these steps promise a miracle of healing. That when I worked these steps, which primarily meant surrendering my life to God, giving up what I wanted to do to try and do his will, the obsession was removed. At the beginning of working the steps, I did have to kind of shield myself. If there was a pizza party at work, I wouldn't go. And that's just smart. But now, having gone through the steps, I can't even tell you where the candy aisle in my grocery store is. I just don't know. Um, Because God has removed the obsession. And that is a miracle. And that's the promise to every one of us who, like, goes through and does this work and works the steps. Um, miracles weren't confined to the time of the Bible, like the fact that I don't binge anymore, that my marriage works, that I could parent my children without screaming at them all day long is evidence um, that this program really works because the only thing it offers is a miracle of healing. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Penny C, we can't hear you. Melissa C, it's your turn. Penny, we lost you. Hi, good good morning. Thank you, Penny, so much for your service this morning. Um, I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in New York. Um, You know, the words that really jumped out for me is combat and shield. And um, I have this list of all the things I can't use, and um, now I just have two more things I just added. It's combats and shields, and um, so it kind of removes all the all the human powers, and it leaves me with just one choice. It's spiritual. So if I look at combat, um, you know, it's it's fighting between two forces, and part of my step one understanding is this realization that I am powerless. Like, I am not a force that can fight this thing. I'm not sufficiently armed of myself, and I'm incapable of fighting this enemy, right? 
my alcoholism, my, my compulsive eating, because I'm actually the ally for the enemy. I'm like the spy that's infiltrated the other line. I'm the enemy. You know, uh, guess what? It's not an outside force. So I can't combat. Who am I combating? I'm combating me, right? And a shield, right, it's something that I'm going to put up to provide protection. It's either a person or a thing that I'm going to use to block me off. And, you know, well, for me it was real easy. I would just simply hide from the people who I thought could shield me from food, right? So if I told everybody in my family, don't let me eat X, Y, and Z, well, I simply just hid from those people. (laughs) You know, that was easy. Or um, I would just remove the very thing I put in place to block me. And, you know, what happened for me was that when I just used combat and shields and no spiritual component, um, I thought I could do this job on my own. And so I I may have rid my house of all junk food, um, and I've done that numerous times, that alone, right, trying that alone without anything else. And, you know, my last binge started with shredded wheat cereal, which was like the most unsexiest, undelicious thing out there. Um, but I ate huge volumes of it, and, and the, then the temptations became everything, all foods, can become alcoholic for me. I can eat all foods for an effect if I'm in that crazy space. And then what happened was since I binged anyway, I exploded and I created alcoholic foods in my house. I'm like a chemist. You know, those those drug addicts that mixed household items together to get a drug, I did the same thing. I mixed butter and other weird things. I'm creative and crazy. I can't use a shield. I'm what has to change. And um, and that's what we're promised. We are promised that we change, and then we don't need to live shielded. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And next we have Kim G. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I've been recovered since January 2011. And I love this word scheme. So what is the scheme? Basically, it's anything but the 12 steps. You know, what is those shields that we use? What are those schemes that we're using to shield us? You know, I know for myself, I've been in OA since 1994. I've tried a lot of schemes. Um, my game plan was often willpower and keeping on guard. You know, I remember um, being new in OA and the excitement and the fellowship was enough to keep me abstinent. You know, it talks about, and there's a solution about at certain times, these schemes will work. So at certain times, a new food plan would work. At certain times, a new sponsor would work. At certain times, these tools, when I was using tools only, not step work, but tools only, would work. You know, we often talk about relapse and recovery. Well, if recovery is the steps, and I'm not doing the steps, and I keep, quote, unquote, relapsing, going back to the food, what I was taught and more about alcoholism is what I'm experiencing is the progression of the illness. You know, when I first came into OA, I was able to get six years of back-to-back abstinence. And it was, I was asked to run for world service trustee, and I didn't want to do that. And I'm not doing step work except sporadically. So I decide that this brilliant idea is, well, what I'll do is I'll pick up because then I'm not qualified and I'll just get back on track. Well, let me tell you the progression of the illness, even when I wasn't eating, that I never was able to get more than eight or nine months and then eight or nine weeks and eight or nine days. 
and then eight or nine hours. And each time I did it, it was a bigger explosion with shorter and shorter clean time. I felt like such a loser. Why can't I get this? And what the, this was was the diet. So 17 years in, I'm in five-year relapse. And I come, phone into a phone meeting, not this one, but a phone meeting that tells me the truth about step one, that explains to me the reason I keep having these bigger explosions is because I have an allergy of the body that's never going to change. And I have a mental twist that's going to tell me it's okay to have that suit again. But I'm thinking the steps don't work for me. I'm in this 12-step. I've been trying the steps for decades. And someone said to me, do you think you're that goddamn special? This has worked for alcoholics, for drug addicts, for sex addicts, for food addicts, and you think it's not going to work for you? Try the steps that's laid out in the big book. That's the actual directions. So for 17 years, my game plan was to put down the food, face the food, and fight the food with all these tools, meetings, sponsors, phone calls, all this stuff. And what I did nine years ago was I put down the food and I faced the solution. And by using those same tools of phone calls, sponsors, meetings, I recovered because I was using those tools as a solution-based program as opposed to try to control the problem program. And if I try to control the problem program, that scheme will lead to a bigger explosion than ever. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And now we have Irene B. Your turn. Good morning. Thank you so much. That took me by surprise. Thank you for your service. I'm Irene B., a gratefully recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I owe amends to the entire group. I came into the meeting late, and I misunderstood, and I jumped in and interrupted. I'm very sorry. Um, I'm so happy and privileged to be here this morning. I love this paragraph because of that very last sentence. It says, these attempts to do the impossible have always failed. Oh, my gosh, that is so true of me. That's the story of my life. I became a compulsive overeater at age 6. At age 18, I became bulimic. And after I became bulimic, four inpatient treatment centers, four outpatients, 30 soma therapists, and I could not beat this thing because uh, I was not fortunate to be introduced to a 12-step program, but by the grace of God, I was taking care of a family member who was addicted, and I knew that the 12 steps worked for alcoholism, and I had to take him to and fro meetings, and I wanted to help him, so I needed to learn about the 12-step program. So make a long story short, I started working the steps, working with an AA person, and I wasn't doing it for me, but I was trying to help my nephew. It's a long story. Bottom line is I am so excited that after I could not get abstinent for one day when there wasn't structure, and by that I mean if my husband were home, I wouldn't binge and purge, but he worked out of town and he only came home on weekends, and now he hasn't been home in three years. But I am here to report that tomorrow will be my three-year anniversary of abstinence, and that is a miracle of God. And the only shield that I have found is the steps, but the steps, all they do, the way I see it, the way I understand it, the steps are nothing but a way 
to remove all the blockages to the source of power that's given me the power to stay abstinent. And without that power on my own, I have 40 years of bulimia to prove that I could not do it. I simply could not do it. And I'm so grateful for the beautiful shares that preceded me because so much light is shed on the misery of this disease and the the hopelessness of us trying to fix this on our, on our own. In, with that, I pass. And three years tomorrow, what a miracle. Thanks, AA. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Irene B., and uh, congratulations. That's wonderful news, three years tomorrow. And now, Diane B. Good morning, Penny. Thank you so much. It's great to hear you. Um, this is Diane B., gratefully recovered compulsive eater in New York. So um, when I read this, I was thinking that, you know, I can't shut myself off from the world, and I certainly did try to do geographic cures in my time, um, but, I, but I can't shut myself completely off, nor can I expect anyone else to. So when I'm working with another person, I have to, um, I have to understand that they can't, you know, just be a hermit. Um, so, but I know that when I first uh, gave up my, my trigger foods, I had to protect myself before I got through the steps because I wasn't strong enough without getting that higher power in my life. So there were so uh, there was a time when I didn't have certain foods in my house. I didn't go to certain places like bakeries or coffee shops. Um, I remember my son complaining at one point that we never have pasta for dinner anymore. So I thought, okay, so we had a special night, one night a week where it was pasta night. Um, but today I have this neutrality that I've developed. Thank you to my higher power that that has led me. Um, into this state of neutrality. So I can look in my cabinet and I can see that there's like chocolate chips and stuff that's there left over from when my daughter was visiting and she hasn't been here since last summer. And that stuff is still in my cabinet and I don't know why it's there except that when she comes home again it will be there for her because she loves to bake. So um, I could not have gotten here. I could not have gotten to this point of neutrality without building my spiritual connection from day to day. And fortunately, it is strong enough today to bring me to that point. And we read about that. We read that we will, you know, recoil as if from a hot flame. We read that we will develop a neutrality. And it has come to pass for me. Thankfully, I'm very grateful for that because I did the work. I continue to do the work. I continue to use the steps in my life every day. I continue to use the tools to protect those steps. I've heard it say that the tools are like the handrails for for the staircase or for the steps. Um, and it has really, really helped. So like today I can go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a cup of coffee, and I go there several times a week, but I never really think about the other stuff that they sell there. I go in there, I get my coffee, and I leave. Um, the last time I was in a fast food place, uh, which was several years ago, I couldn't even stay in there because the smell was so offensive to me, the smell of the food and the oil and whatever. Um, so I had to leave even though you know, I left the people that I was with. I just went outside and waited outside. So I'm very, very grateful today. I do know that if I don't continue to do this work, if I allow it to lapse, I will lose that connection with my pat with my higher power. Um, and when I lose that connection with God, then I'm doomed again to go right back to where I had been. 
Um, so thank you again for all of your service, everybody, and I pass. Thank you, Diane B. Okay, Barbara E., good morning. Oh, thank you so much, that angel out there that heard Mary's voice. I felt I had to jump in because I came into program in 1996. I had a Ph.D. in dieting. I'd used all those diets, and I won't even mention them because you know them all. And I'd lost all the weight before, but I kept gaining it back. I had willpower, all right. I would eat it, and nothing could stop me. What was wrong with me? Something had to change, but I didn't know. And then I crawled into the rooms of OA, as I said, in 1996. And I heard about a three-step uh, program, spiritual, emotional, and physical. And I knew that I had to change because I was broken. When I was abstinent, I was meaner than pissed. And when I was dieting, I just didn't care. Or rather, when I was eating, I didn't care what the heck you did because I was stuck in my face. And it's not that some people have willpower and some don't. It's that some people are ready to change and others aren't. And that was the truth for me. Recovery is about changing me. So I picked up the tools of the program. I got a step sponsor and I worked. I launched, as they said, into it. When she said jump, I said, how high? I did everything she said. And I was skeptical. I didn't have a a God of my higher understanding, but I followed directions. And someone said, Barbara, and this was just recently, why don't you try getting down on your knees and praying? And now my knee needs surgery, my hip needs surgery. Not maybe the greatest idea, but I did it anyway. I put pillows wisely under my arm. under my knees, and I prayed, and it made a difference. I am willing to try anything. You can teach an old dog new tricks, and I'm that old dog, and I'm willing to change, and I'm willing to be teachable, and I've been in recovery now for two decades. I've lost between 120 and 130 pounds, gained a little back when I got back from my first surgery because of the inactivity. And now I'm taking the walking challenge every day. I walk for 25 minutes because I don't like suffering from Dunlap's disease where my belly starts to Dunlap over, right? Um, So I have to do whatever has been suggested and that was suggested for me. And I look today to be kinder and gentler, and more accepting, and more loving. And when I hear a falsehood, I do my best to correct it. I try to stay out of gossip, and I love to gossip. But most of all, and I know this is a thing that grinds someone's teeth, I keep my life in one hand and my food in the other. The foods that used to tempt me and make me go back. Barbara. Yes, darling, finished? Go ahead. Our our just beautiful artwork now. We have candy and cookies all over the house. They're not mine. I know what is. And what is 
is this beautiful program of recovery. Thank you so much for squeezing me in. I pass. Okay, thank you, Barbara E. And now our last um, sharer will be Kim A. Good morning, Kim. Kim A, are you there? Good morning. Can you hear me? Sure. Go ahead now. Thank you so much. So, to me, the whole point of working the steps and recovery is that we want freedom that we can't achieve on our own by using willpower. Freedom not only from food, obsession, and whatever compulsive activity we do with food, binging, purging, whatever it is, but we need freedom from these defects, this selfishness that we have um, that causes us to live in fear and resentment. And so all these things have to be removed by our higher power in order for us to be free. And, you know, we call it freedom from bondage. And I love these paragraphs because especially that um, the example of being on, like, the Greenland ice cap or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter how much we try to avoid food. Um, I have spent my life before recovery avoiding gatherings because of food, avoiding the beach because I don't want to put on a beating suit, avoiding all these other things. And, you know, a lot of that is ego, either thinking that people care what I look like, which they don't, nobody's paying attention to me, or thinking that I have this power to control all this stuff. But my only defense is that that comes from a higher power. That's what I learned from the big book. And so avoiding all this stuff, and it was kind of shared in various ways, um, all, avoiding all this kind of stuff is not helpful because if we don't work the steps and get down to those causes and conditions of what makes us eat to begin with, then we're either going to be running on willpower, which is not useful because if we take away the food, which is the solution we use for when we feel restless, irritable, and discontented, just taking that away doesn't take away the reasons why we're restless, irritable, and discontented. So, yeah, we could stop eating compulsively, but I know for me, I was still just as obsessed with food. I was weighing and measuring it. I was writing it down. I was calculating it. I was calling it into a sponsor. That, to me, is not freedom from bondage. Freedom from bondage is what some people have described, that I can have things in the house that I forget they're there or that I don't even want them. Is it always like that? No, I don't always have that neutrality. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I never did before. So as long as I'm working these steps um, and doing as much service as I could do, especially during a time when you know, we're all kind of faced with a lot of anxiety and uncertainty and our lives are turned upside down, the best way for me out of that is to do service because now I'm stuck at home all day with tons of food. And if it was just about avoiding sugar or flour, somebody shared earlier about binging on um, whole wheat or whatnot, not the shredded wheat. I've done that. I've binged on the stupidest things. So it has nothing to do with sugar. If I don't have sugar in the house, if I don't have anything sexy in the house, and I'm not working my steps, and I have to go to that food, I don't care what I'm going to binge on. I'm going to binge on something. So the solution isn't avoiding, thanks, a wrap up. It's not avoiding anything, because that's just using our will. It's about relying on a higher power 
doing the next right thing and working these steps and doing service. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that will be our last share for the day. I thank everybody who who shared, everybody who's on the line listening. There were almost, there were 390-some people at one point. So um, we're going to ask you to join us in a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following this closing. And um, just my message for today is, you know, be grateful. Just um, for for the tiniest little things, just be grateful. The share ID for today for 7 a.m. is 14,364-14364. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, and I'm going to ask Judy Kay to do that for us, please. Thanks. This is Judy Kay, recovered in North Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet us, some of us, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.